Good morning. Yeah, let's do that again. That was kind of weak. Good morning. All right. There, there we go, Wakita. I knew you always come through. That's what I'm talking about. Well, we want to welcome you all to the Village Church. My name is Amos. I serve on staff here at the Village Church. Uh, and I stand just to give a couple of announcements. So welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus's love. If you are a guest today, welcome. There are guest information cards located just outside the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Please fill one out and drop it off in the basket. We look forward to connecting with you. Now, Village Church faithful, uh, y'all know the routine. If y'all see someone who is not necessarily a familiar face, go ahead and make a connection with them and uh, having to fill that card out. Uh, we do want to remind you uh, that our nursery is open today. So if you have children, uh, years five and under, uh, you can uh, take them to the nursery as our way of serving our, our covenant family here. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. So you may give to the vision and the mission of the Village Church by using the link at our website, which is www dot enter the village dot net forward slash give you can mail a check to our physical address which is 2103 virginia boulevard huntsville alabama 35811 or after the service you can drop off your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary today immediately following the worship gathering village kids and village youth are meeting in the annex now uh, are we having a uh, after sermon discussion today? All right, so good deal. Uh, so also for the adults right here in the sanctuary, there will be a uh, a sermon discussion uh, after the gathering. Also, also one last thing: uh, you all uh, should have received an email about the spiritual gifts inventory that our church is going to be taking very soon. Uh, so more information will be coming from your leadership through the small groups, uh, through our village groups. So be on the lookout for that. We look forward to taking that spiritual gifts uh, survey so uh, we can serve our church and our community according to the gifts and abilities that God has given us. So that concludes your announcements. As always, please govern yourselves accordingly.
hear these words from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst. Burst. That's a shout, huh? Burst. system is setting the tone for worship this morning encouraging us to shout for joy to the lord shout for joy to the lord all the earth burst into jubilant song with music make music to the lord with the harp with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn shout for joy before the lord the king let the let the sea resound and everything in it the world and all who live in it Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. Amen. I will sing. I will sing of your great love. Please stand with me if you're able.
Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Beautiful Savior, Lord of all the nations, Son of God and Son of man, glory and honor, 
praise, adoration, now and forevermore be thine. Amen.
bien. If this week has been like, if my week has been like yours, yours has been like mine this past week. That song um, called us to have a time of confession. And it's been all about him all the time. Uh, so we can go to the Lord in prayer and, uh, with thanksgiving that he does forgive our sins. So use this time of confession to reflect on what you've done what you haven't done. What you've done too much of, what you haven't done enough of before the Lord. Uh, here is the confession of sin from Colossians 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Spend some time in silent confession now. Father, thank you for the grace of repentance. We can come to you knowing that you hear us, knowing you are with us, knowing that you've called us out before the foundation of the world. And yet, Father, uh, we fall short. Uh, we don't want to do the things that please you, uh, that please ourselves. And yet, Father, you are tender in your mercy. Uh, you love us with an everlasting love. And you will not leave us nor forsake us. And you forgive our sins. You cast them aside as far as the ocean. The east is from the west, Father. Thank you that you do not remember our sins. Thank you that you forgive us our sins. and uh, You're faithful and just to, to forgive us. Uh, help us, Father, this coming week to love you more, trust you more, and to love on others more. And love on you more, most of all. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Here are assurance of pardon from Colossians 1.19. For in him all fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Praise God. have your Bibles, today's sermon text is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13, 14, but I will be reading verses 1 through 14. 
Please listen carefully, for this is God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
And I will say, one of the reasons that I kept repeating that, Jesus, you're all I need. You're more than enough for me. It's because sometimes we're singing this, like, we're singing the thing, and obviously, grammatically, we're talking to the Lord with that. But it's also, in that moment, it was one of those, Lord, I believe, so help my unbelief. Sometimes I got to say that thing to myself so I can be convinced, because honestly, I don't always believe it. Like, I <laughs> told my husband this morning, on the way, like, yo, I need a break. Like, the hits keep coming, and it won't stop, and the hits have been coming since October. And it won't stop, right? And I picked this song days ago, and it just hit different this morning. Jesus, you're all I need. You're more than enough for me. His grace is sufficient, but I don't always believe it. Most of the time, I don't. So, Lord, I believe. Lord, we believe. You are our healer. You do love us. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercies are new every morning. You are our Emmanuel. You are with us. You are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? Whom have we in heaven but you? You are the strength of our lives and our portion forever. And we know the things and we struggle with the distractions of this earth and the fiery darts of the enemy to cling to what is good. Lord, help us believe. Help us believe that we will experience your goodness in the land of the living. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven and enjoy you. We can experience your goodness and your joy now. Lord, help us believe that you really are all that we need, that you are more than enough, and that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Help us believe in the matchless name of Jesus and the comforting power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. My name is Pastor Alex. I'm the senior pastor here at the Village Church. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, for worship. Let us go to the Lord now in prayers of supplication. These are times for us to bring any of our needs, our burdens, our frustrations. It's time for us to intercede for those in our life who we know is in need of the Lord's comfort. So as a body, let us go to our Father now. Father, you are more than enough for us. And as patient said, I pray that you will help all of our unbelief. Help us to believe that in our struggles of life. Help us to believe it tomorrow when we go back to our jobs. Help us to believe it when we leave here and go back to our homes to the conflicts and struggles that wait for us there. Help us to believe that, that you're more than enough when we go 
go visit the doctor this week. Go see the counselor this week. Help us believe in those places that you're more than enough. That this would not just be empty words, but it would be something that is real. I know because we're filled with emotions right now, we're like, yeah, I believe it. But when we leave this place and when we get back home and when we get back into routines and when we get back into the schedules, will we believe it then? In the mundane of life, help us know that you are enough. Help fathers know that they are enough if they struggle to be dads. Help pastors be enough as they struggle to lead their churches. Help elders and deacons know that they are enough as they struggle to shepherd and lead as well. Help our kids to know that you are enough as they struggle to live on our authority. And as we get on their nerves and then we get on their nerves and, we, and they get on ours. <coughs> Help them to know that you are enough for them as well. Help siblings know that you are enough when they're at each other's throats about stuff. Help all the women in our church know that you are enough as they struggle with the things they may struggle with. Help them to know that you are enough for them. In our pain and our suffering, help us to know that you are enough. As we see what's going on in the Ukraine right now, help us know that you are enough. And I do pray for, for peace over there, Lord, that you will intervene, Father. Even in the midst of injustice, help us know that you are enough. When certain evils don't get made right on this side of heaven, help us know that you are still enough. Help us to know that if we don't get a nice income stat check, you're still enough. Help us to know if we got to write that check to Uncle Sam, you're still enough. Help us to know if we don't get all the things that we want, you're still enough. Father, either you're real or we're just pretending. Either you're real or we're just here for a show. We're just here for a concert and a nice little talk. If you're not real. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help us know that Jesus is really enough that we confess that I pray that that would also be functionally true in the places where we really do life that we would know and believe that he's really enough that if he made a way to deal with our sin then how would he not also make a way for the things that we're dealing with and going to deal with 
Like you've never promised that we were going to have a comfortable, easy life that's free of hardship, that's free of suffering, that's free of disappointment, that's free of pain. You never promised that, but what you have promised is that you will be with us to the end. That you did not stop being Emmanuel when you ascended into glory. You're still Emmanuel. You're still with us. our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Help us not listen to the voice of the enemy that distracts us. Help us not to listen to all the, the things that we see in the world that try to pull us farther and farther away from you. Help us to hear your voice, to be able to recognize your voice like a sheep that knows the voice of the shepherd. Let us be able to know your voice and hear your voice and follow your voice and submit to your voice. And when you speak over your people, you speak blessings over us. You don't speak curses. You don't look at us and and call us all sorts of names. You call us beloved. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Yeah, we all struggle with sin, but that's not our identity. It's no longer our master. The God of the universe, the God who created the the heavens and the earth, Emmanuel, Yahweh Elohim, he calls us sons and daughters. And Lord, you like us. You like us. And all of our quirkiness, and all of our moodiness, you like us. You never give us a side eye. You never say, I need a break from you. You never say, y'all get on my everlasting nerves. You never say that stuff. You have a right to, but you don't. Because you can put up with all of us, Lord. You see the depths of our heart, and yet you love us the same. So, Father, as we go out and as we continue to navigate this life, I I pray blessings. I pray blessings over those who are struggling with sicknesses, those who have lost loved ones, those who need employment, that you will provide, that you will provide for them, that you will minister to them, that you will help them to continue to be hopeful. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Last week, I, I said that as Christians, you're more than your sin struggles. You're more than your suffering. You're more than your persecutions. You're more than your fears. And you're also more than your insecurities. And you're more than your doubts. You're more than your failures. You're even more than your successes. And you're more than your frustrations. You're more than your circumstances. You are God's chosen people as Christians. That's an amen statement. God's chosen people. No other people on the face of the earth can say what Christians can say, is that we are God's chosen people, his beloved, his treasured possession, his 
portion, his inheritance. In Christ, all believers collectively are God's inheritance. And that is a father's blessing that can be enjoyed by each of you if you have saving faith in Jesus. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you surrender to him? Do you obey him? Do you enjoy him? Kids and teens, I'm not talking about, you can't have Jesus through your family, through your parents. You got to know him for yourself. So kids and teens, do you enjoy Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you trust him? Do you surrender to him? If you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be focusing on verses 11 through 14. The sermon is going to continue to address the the blessing of an inheritance. The blessing of an inheritance. And my main point is the same as last week. In Christ, believers are God's inheritance, and they also receive an inheritance. Believers are an inheritance, and believers receive an inheritance. And this sermon is going to talk about what it means for believers to receive an inheritance from God. And that inheritance is a blessing that you can enjoy in the here and now. Now, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, if you don't move, ain't nothing going to happen. Ain't nothing going to happen. Nothing's going to happen apart from you. So, Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you would take the preached word, apply it to my heart, my mind, apply it to the hearts and minds of everyone that's here and and those that may be tuning in online, that you have to take the word and and, and minister to us with it. We, We can't do this thing apart from you. We can't. We need you, Holy Spirit. You are part of the Godhead. Nobody is saved if, you don't, if you're not working. Lives are not changed if you're not working. People are not delivered from generational curses if you ain't moving. Point blank, Lord, Spirit. So, Spirit, we humble ourselves. We ask that you come in. We ask that you will move. And I pray that you will help each of us receive what we need to receive from this message today. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. I met a pastor friend of mine this week at uh, um, Just Love Coffee on Tuesday morning. That's one of my favorite places to go. And uh, we met there this week to do summer prep together before his 11 o'clock meeting at uh, Super Chick, which is next door to the coffee shop. And so after his meeting, he came back over to Just Love where I was. He sat down at my table. And uh, while he sat down, I was in deep thought about the sermon, reflecting on where I'm going to go, what, what's the Spirit trying to tell me. And I asked my friend this question. I said, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about the inheritance we receive from God? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Do you know what this knucklehead said? A chicken sandwich. <laughs> now, we both chuckled because he just finished eating a chicken sandwich for lunch. But now, what about y'all this morning? What's the first thing that comes to your mind and even your heart when you think about the inheritance all believers receive from God? 
What's the first thing that comes to mind? It should be the fact that in Christ, all believers collectively receive the same inheritance. We all receive the same thing. That's another amen statement. I'm getting tired of pulling the sign out. <laughs> Philippians 1.18 says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what the hope to which you have been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Colossians 1.12 says, Having given thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. The church in Ephesus is made up of Jewish and Gentile Christians. And both groups are recipients of the same inheritance from God in Christ. And if you were here for the other sermons, in this, in, in, in verses 1 through 14, Paul addresses both of these groups separately, yet inclusively to show that both of them, though culturally and ethnically distinct, are equally chosen to be the people of God. And that's what he's doing here. And, he, and remember, he does this by, by three pronouns that he uses. We, you, our. We, you, our. Verse 11a, he says, in him we Verse 12, he says, so that we who? In verse 13a, he says, in him you also. And in verse 14, he says, the guarantee of our. The first, that pronoun we is referring to Jewish Christians. And the pronoun you is referring to Gentile Christians. And the pronoun our refers to both groups collectively in community within the same local church in Ephesus. We, you, our. Look at verse 13 and 14. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. All the Jewish and Gentile Christian believers in this local church have equal access to this inheritance. No believer is excluded. No believer is denied. No believer is disqualified. And no believer should ever be disinherited. They equally share and equally enjoy the riches of God's inheritance in Christ. And the same is true for us in this local church if you have saving faith in Jesus. If you do, then you get to enjoy and have equal access to this inheritance, the riches of God's inheritance in Christ. And this inheritance is a father's blessing given to his beloved sons and daughters. Again, either this stuff is true or it's not true. This is very black and white when it comes to who Jesus is. No shades of gray with Jesus. You either know him or you don't. So what is it? What, what actually is this glorious inheritance given to the people of God? First Peter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen to this. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be ready to be revealed in the last day. I mean, y'all should be like, amen, this stuff. Did you notice all those wonderful adjectives that Peter used to talk about your inheritance? Now, if I told you we're going to inherit a million dollars, you would get up and jump up and down. Money that you can't take with you to the grave. I'm talking about inheritance that you get when you go to the grave. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It is everlasting and never ending. It will never be polluted or corrupted. It will not go down the toilet. It will not decay. It will not collapse. Why? Because your inheritance in Christ is not of this world. Your inheritance in Christ is not of this world. It isn't the American dream. Sorry to disappoint you. It ain't power. It ain't prosperity. It ain't privilege. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not you having, it's not the rights you have as an American citizen. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not Christian nationalism. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not storing up treasures on earth. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not getting that nice income tax check. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not getting another stimulus check from the government. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not of this world. The inheritance is not making sure your kids can be all they can be. That ain't the inheritance either. It's not winning the lottery. It's not being popular. It's not being social media famous. It's not getting the latest Jordan 1s. That's for your teens. It's not having the latest electronic gadgets. And it's definitely not assuring, It's definitely not seeing a certain political candidate in the White House every four years. That's not the inheritance either. Your inheritance from God isn't you trying to obtain and sustain the kind of life you want in America. And you don't have to like that fact, but you need to learn to accept it because it is what it is. The inheritance is otherworldly. It's eternal. And it's being kept in heaven for you. Think about those words. Take those words to heart. That the inheritance that God has given you in Christ, he's saying, I'm safeguarding this thing for you in heaven. I got it on lock for you. I'm protecting it for you. And you're going to get it. It won't ever be destroyed. A thief can't can't come in and steal it. I got this. But it ain't you living your best life now. That's not the inheritance. It all sounds well and good, Pastor, but you still haven't defined the inheritance for us. You, you still haven't told us what's actually included in the inheritance. So if, so if it's not this world, then what's in it? First, the inheritance includes God himself. Having the Lord God as your God is part of the inheritance. Does that disappoint you? I hope not. So why would he give you something to replace him with? Inheritance deals with him first. Do you know why you were created? Why do you think God created us? Why did he create Adam and Eve in Genesis 2? You are created to know God and to enjoy God. 
And redemption in Christ makes that possible. Because apart from Jesus, you can't know him, nor can you enjoy him. See, many of us think about God, I want to know God, but do you enjoy God? The only way you'll learn to enjoy God is you begin to see him as a good father. If all you see him as is a dictator, a terminator, a boss, someone who just lording over you, you ain't going to enjoy that. But if he's your good father, then you're going to enjoy him as father. Psalm 73 and Psalm 16, 5 says, The Lord is my portion, my chosen portion, and my cup forever. That's inheritance stuff. Psalm 73 says, Whom I have in heaven but you. And there's nothing on earth I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is to strengthen my heart and my portion forever. Forever. And in the Hebrew, that means forever. You don't have to wait until you die to enjoy a relationship with God. You can enjoy him now. At this moment, at this time. Second, the inheritance includes the kingdom of God. Being a citizen of God's kingdom is part of the inheritance. Again, does that disappoint you? Because, you know, God is not interested in helping you build your kingdom. He's not. He's not help. He's, that, that's, not, that's not what he's interested in. It's his kingdom. So when you come to saving faith in Christ, that means you land all your ideas at the door. And say, Lord, I'm going to submit to your plans. Because this is your kingdom, not my kingdom. And so you Christians will receive, will inherit a new heavens and a new earth. Do you believe that? That's part of the inheritance. Jesus says in Matthew 25, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he would then he would sit on his glorious throne. Before him he would gather all the nations, and he would separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he would place the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. Then the king would say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. That same language that Paul used at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus uses right here. He is saying, God has prepared for us a kingdom before the foundations of the world for us to inherit as believers. Yes. Yes. You think living in Beverly Hills would be great. Where would you get this? We can't really fathom what that means, that before I was born, God had a plan for me to inherit this kingdom. That's what that means for you. Romans 8, verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, 
fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You are, you are co-heirs with Christ. That's, that's, that's part of the inheritance. Revelations 21, verses 1 through 5. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth, earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. That's your inheritance. And there's nothing in this world that can compare to that. But do you really believe it? Third, inheritance includes our glorified bodies. Our future resurrection is included in this inheritance. Again, does that disappoint you? I hope not. Romans 6, 5 says, For if we have been united with him in his death, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen. Philippians 3 says, But we, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enabled him to subject all things to himself. Your glorified body, your inheritance. 1 John 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, right now, in the present tense. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when he appears, that is Christ, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Your inheritance, saints, if you are a Christian, includes your glorified body, God's kingdom, and God himself. And all believers equally share this inheritance, regardless of their nationality, their gender, ethnicity, economic status, or social status. We all get all of this equally. Equally. There ain't going to be neighborhoods in heaven where, where the rich and the poor separate. We all going to be rich. Everybody going to have the same stuff. Same status. And we all get to enjoy it together in community. I came across an uh, illustration this week that says, in the novel, death comes to the deconstructionist Daniel Taylor provides a great illustration for the already and not yet nature of God's kingdom. This is a difficult concept that God's kingdom is already present but not yet fully realized. In the novel, the author describes Judy eating a hot dog. He writes, Judy sits across a small galley table, slowly chewing a hot dog on a fork that she holds close to her face. She takes a bite, then she stares at the end of the hot dog while she chews, but slowly but nonstop, 
balance between the pleasure of the hot dog in her mouth and the anticipation of the next bite. A perfect illustration of the now and not yet, the once and future hot dog. You see, the inheritance believers receive from God is already and not yet. Let me hear you say it. It's already and not yet. Just like Judy eating the hot dog in the book, believers get to the taste, the pleasure of tasting the inheritance, but the full meal, saints, the full meal of the inheritance is still to come. You enjoy smaller bites while anticipating that the bigger bites will come when Jesus returns. So right now, you can still enjoy God in the present tense, but full enjoyment of him is still not going to happen to heaven. That means, let me put it this way, that means as a Christian, you will always live with a heart that's divided between enjoyments. It's going to enjoy God, but it's still going to seek to enjoy other things more than him. And there's nothing you can do on this side of heaven that's going to change that tension. You just need to accept it. Your relationship with God right now is never going to be what it's going to be. It ain't. The full enjoyment of him is still to come. And you will have so much joy in your life if you just accept that. In the present tense, each of you can enjoy seeing his kingdom come in dark and broken places. And that's happening. People are delivered from things. Relationships get to be restored. That's God's kingdom at work. But, all, but please know there are going to be certain evils you're going to have to learn to live with. Because the full eradication of all evil is not going to happen until Christ returns. Now, now, will there be certain things we see? Yes, certain people get justice for things they do. Yes, we're going to see some of those things. But there are going to be some things that won't be made right on this side of heaven. Again, if you've got to learn to accept that. I don't like it either. But it's the truth. The already and not yet. But at this moment, each of you can enjoy the process of sanctification in your life. That means you've been transformed more and more to the image of Christ. But please know... Your body ain't going to be glorified right now. <laughs> Already not yet. But what does that mean? That means you're still going to have issues till you die. That's what it means. You ain't ever going to be perfect. You ain't ever, 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 ever going to be 100% like Jesus. I don't care if you go to the mountaintop and fast and just afflict yourself with the culture. You still ain't going to be on Jesus' level. So the full enjoyment of being sanctified is still to come. Already, not yet. More, a lot of Christians don't have joy because they want what they have now on this side of heaven that they ain't going to get until heaven comes. You can't expect this life to be what it's going to be. And, 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 and another thing this is not in my notes, but the Spirit just showed it to me. You know, Revelation 7, 9. 
That's the, that's the verse that everyone quotes. Through. All the nations are together, and we holding hands and singing Jesus. You do realize they in heaven. The church ain't ever going to be what she's going to be. I believe what we're doing here is a reflective of what, kingdoms, what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, but it's going to be hard bringing people from different cultures and ethnicities together. So we get to taste it, and sometimes the taste is sour, but the full enjoyment is not going to come until Christ comes. The church will be beautiful, but she ain't ever going to be as beautiful as she's going to be. One theologian says, we do not yet have the full enjoyment of it. That's the inheritance. We must wait for it. The full, the full enjoyment shall come when Christ returns. Do you want Jesus to return? Think about it this way. If God allowed you to have 100 contentment in this life, would you ever long for Jesus to come back? Really? If he said, you can, I'm going to just give you all the contentment and tension-free life that you can have. I wouldn't want him to come back because this is it. <laughs> you can't long for heaven if you think this is heaven. It's still to come, saints. But now who keeps believers from losing their everlasting minds? as we wait for the second coming of Christ. Because it's like, if you're stuck between this tension, it's like, am I, am I, am I, am I the one crazy? <laughs> Who keeps us sane? The promised Holy Spirit. He's the one who keeps you sane in the already and not yet. Not going, not reading another self-help book. Not getting on social media, going to this seminar, going to that seminar. You already have the person living inside of you who can keep you sane. Now, I'm not talking about if you have true mental health issues. Now, you need to be on medication and go see a counselor if you do. So don't leave here saying something I didn't say. Because I'm going to see my counselor tomorrow at 11. Look at verse 13. In Jesus also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Notice what Paul says about the Spirit. He says the promised Holy Spirit. Those words should, should take you back to what Jesus said about the Spirit in the gospel of John. He, he promises to send the disciples the promised Holy Spirit to be their helper, their comforter, their counselor, their advocate, their supporter. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to be y'all's helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, and supporter. Thank you. In Luke 24, Jesus tells the disciples, you are, the, you are witnesses to these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The promise of the Father. Clothed with the power from on high. Jesus is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
And on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, all the disciples, all the apostles, are clothed with power from on high. And the same is true for the Jewish and Gentile believers in this church in Ephesus. And the same is true for you if you have seven faith in Christ. You have been clothed with power from on high. Paul says, all believers are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that happens the moment you believe. And what does the seal mean? The Greek term for seal, it, means to, it also means to set upon, to impress upon with a stamp, to mark, to appoint, to keep. One dictionary defines it as to mark a personal thing. It's like the mark left by a signet ring. A signet ring is a ring with letters, usually a person's initials, and it's carved into it. And so ancient kings will use a signet ring to impress on a, on a document. And that ring designated authority and honor and ownership. When a signet ring is impressed on a document, it certifies who owns the document. And the same is true for the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Spirit authenticates God's ownership and protection of his people. What he's saying is, these people, they broken and messy, but they mine. That's what that means. They mine. They mine. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, God seals us for himself and gives us a pledge of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The seal also authenticates you as being a believer, as a child of God. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the Spirit's voice in you. Second, the seal of the Holy Spirit marks believers for a distinction. See, the Bible is clear that all human beings are created in the image of God. We all are. And therefore, all human beings, whether you are Christian or non-Christian, you are worthy of dignity, value, and self-worth. Why? Because you're created in God's image. And all human beings share that in common. But there's also a distinction among human beings. Some people are sealed with the Holy Spirit and others are not. People who have saving faith in Jesus are the only people who are sealed with God's Spirit. And as a result, God's people are distinctive from people who are not sealed with the Spirit. Now, don't gloss over that. Please don't gloss over that. The Spirit helps you live a distinctive lifestyle in the already and not yet. The Holy Spirit helps you live differently as a Christian in the already and not yet. He empowers and equips you to walk in his ways, to be countercultural to the world in which you live, to be in the world but not of the world. The Spirit grows believers to being salt and light in their sphere of influence. Now, you can't be salt and light over in Ukraine because you don't live in the Ukraine. But you live in Huntsville, in a certain neighborhood, your kids go to a certain school, be salt and light there for Jesus. Be salt and light there for the kingdom. And that's what the Spirit will help you to do. The Spirit helps you to season your, your job at grace. He, he helps you season your relationships with the love of Christ. And he'll give you the courage to shine your light on the systemic evils and injustices around you. Okay. 
Okay. No, do I need to pick it up? All right. The Spirit will change your heart to love the people that Jesus loves. Well, Pastor, I, I can't love those people. They broken. Dude, you broken. You broken, broken too. Do you not know what Jesus had to do to fix your brokenness? He shed his blood. And he also gave you the boldness to take the message of the gospel to your neighbors. The Spirit does all that. And if those things aren't true in your life, then you may need to pray to the Spirit when you get home and ask him to help you live a distinctive lifestyle. In his book, Gentle and Lowly, Dan Ortland writes, The Spirit makes the heart of Christ real to us. Not just heard, but seen. Not just seen, but felt. Not just felt, but enjoyed. The Spirit takes what we read in the Bible and believe on paper about Christ's heart and moves it from theory to reality, from doctrine to experience. That's a wonderful quote. Third, the Holy Spirit marks believers for security. Paul says believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance. The term that's translated guarantee can also mean down payment, a deposit, a pledge. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of all that God has for you. So what does that mean? It means it's going to get better. The Spirit is the first thing, the first installment. One pastor said, the Spirit serves as a guarantee of all God's purposes in your life. He is the security deposit. And he doesn't need help being that. He's enough. Look at verse 14. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Now, that Greek phrase that is translated, until we acquire possession of it, can also be translated until God redeems his possession. And I like that second translation better because I believe it fits the context. Because God's people are his treasure possession, who he is redeeming in Christ. And we know that the full redemption is still to come. But we know it's going to happen. And the Spirit keeps us as we wait for it. Think about that. God God made a way to deal with your sin, but he also made a way to meet for you to be kept until Christ comes back for you. You don't have to keep yourself. You are being kept. (laughs) Man, God got you in the, you're all wrapped up. And there's nothing you can do to loosen his grip. So all you got to do is relax and enjoy. Relax and enjoy. Relax and enjoy. Please understand that even in the already and not yet, your inheritance is eternally secure. And believers are eternally secure in the already and not yet. This means the eternal people of God are eternally secure no matter what they lose and what they may suffer in this life. 
you're eternally secure. In failing health, you're secure. In the dark nights of the soul, you're secure. In the depth of loved ones, you're secure. In your struggles with sin, you're secure. In the ups and downs, you're secure. In your mental health struggles and issues, you're secure. In your employment issues, you're secure. In your broken relationships, you're secure. In your shattered dreams, you're secure. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's a guarantee of your inheritance until God redeems his possession. And please know that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. In Christ. Pastor Tony Evans, in one of his books, shared a wonderful illustration about the inheritance believers receive from God. Please listen to what Pastor Evans says here. A man died who was extremely wealthy. His will was full of art pieces, very expensive art pieces. This man had a son who died before him, a son whom he loved, a son who would have been his only heir. Soon after the death of the wealthy man, a public auction was held that included all the valuable art pieces. People came from all over the world because of those works of art. Over a thousand people gathered to participate in the auction. The auctioneer began the auction by offering for sale a portrait painted by the deceased son. It was rather a plain painting, not at all like the other expensive art pieces. The floor opened for bids, but there wasn't any. After what seemed a long silence, an old man walked down the aisle, and as he neared the front room of the room, the auctioneer recognized him. He had been the servant of the wealthy man. And he meagerly and almost shamefully offered a couple dollars from his pocket for the child's drawn portrait. The auctioneer hit his gravel and said, Sold! Many people in the room shifted with excitement, preparing for the main part of the selling. But much to their surprise and frustration, the auctioneer hit the gravel again and said, Auction over. The room was filled with chatter and confusion. Wondering at the early close of the auction, the auctioneer went on to explain, in the will of the master, the instructions said to offer for sale the painting drawn by my son first. And whoever gets the painting of his son gets the whole art collection. The master had decided well in advance that whoever loved his son and accepted him could not only have his son's work, but all the other benefits of the Father as well. That table, that table, this table is a reminder that through Jesus, we get all the benefits of the Father. It's a reminder of what Christ has done for you on the cross at Calvary. It's a reminder that he loves you. It's a reminder that, that he suffered so you don't have to suffer. That's what this table is a reminder of. And if you are a guest and you don't have faith in Christ, I'm glad that you're here with us. And if you want to talk about what it means for you to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, please see me after the service. And we can sit down and we can have a conversation about how much Christ loves you.
parents, I ask that you, uh, the, the kids, be with you, abstain for the elements until they've been invited to the Lord's table by the church that you are a member of. Now, kids, all TVC kids and teens, this Lord's table, this Lord's supper, is a reminder that Jesus loves you. Okay? He loves you. It's a reminder that he lived a real life. It's a reminder that he died a real death. And it's a reminder that he resurrected from that grave because of you. And that when you come to saving faith in him, when you give your life to him, all your sins are forgiven. And you bear them no more. And so until that day comes that you come to know Christ, that's my prayer. That you come to faith in Christ, you get to partake of this meal with your mom and dad. I'm going to open us in prayer, but if you have not received an element for the communion, please raise your hand, and Elder Teague will come by and give you an element. But as he comes, please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you will take these common elements and provide spiritual nourishment for your people. Something supernatural happens during the Lord's table. Something supernatural happens during communion. You are working in us to nourish us, to strengthen us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do just that for God's glory and for our good. The Lord Jesus, on a night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. same manner he also took the cup and having given thanks he gave it to his disciples saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins this is Christ's blood shed for all your sins past present and future drink from it all of you Let us pray. Lord Jesus, there's nothing else we can add to your finished work. When you said it was finished, it's finished. And so my prayer is that you will help us in, to enjoy being able to do life on this side of heaven as beloved. I pray that you will watch over us. I pray that you will sustain us. I pray that you will minister to us. And I pray for all of this. In your wonderful name, amen. Please stand, saints, as we close our service.
about the village kids and youth meeting in the annex and also next week not next week a couple of weeks we're going to start our resurrection story leading up to easter so if cynthia emails you please consider giving a story also in a few minutes we're going to have the sermon discussion right here in the sanctuary uh, are you leading and larry elder larry bricker is leading all right here's god's benediction to his beloved the grace of the lord jesus and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all And all God's people said, please greet one another, saints.